Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everybody, welcome to Going Off Track, Stephen and Brad und Jona, or as they say in Deutschland, Jona, wie geht's? It's a reason I was doing German, because today we have, and this is the obvious segue from German people, Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen here today. From German people. From German, he's, he's of the German descent. Yes. I have no idea, I don't think so. I can, no, I, he said his... Oh yeah, he said his father. His father's yeah. half German. And he's been to... To East Berlin. He's going yes. to talk about that. This has been a long time coming. Mr. Jonah Bear has been just, I'd say, slathering. Fred. I would say, like, politely persistent. Okay. Like, hey, man, what's up? <laughs> what are you doing this week? And, uh, you know, obviously, Fred has so much stuff going on. He's doing Saturday Night Live, Portlandia, so busy. But, um, yeah, like, literally, like, yesterday, I texted him. I was like, hey, man, how's tomorrow? I was like, cool. And he walked in and immediately started playing the drums that are in this room. That's true. He did. I guess that's a good... We don't usually do podcasts in this room, but we're in the rehearsal room here at Rubber Tracks, and we usually do them in Studio B. It's a little quieter. Maybe for you, like, real listeners that listen to us regularly, you can tell the difference. It's a little more ambient in here. It's an audiophile quiz. Can you tell <laughs> if they are on the practice room or Studio B? Oh, B, that's B. a good one. Fred Armisen could tell. You could tell. But, but yeah. there's a drum kit in here, and he a drum hit cut. it immediately. He sounded great. We so, he can play. He can play. We should have recorded that, but instead we recorded this. It's going on track! Uh, Fred Armisen is on Going Off Track today. And this has been, I don't want to say coup, but just Jonah has been working hard. And by hard, I mean saying, hey, Fred, want to do my podcast? I know. Yeah. I felt like I was... I, I don't, I'm like really self-conscious about like bugging people about coming on the podcast. Jonah, you have a passport to do whatever you want. <laughs> Thank you kidding? so much. That means bugging. I just renewed my, my passport. pleasure. I didn't yes. get that option. <laughs> well, yeah, the passport get, and it's also, you know, by default, it also goes to your friends. So, Oh really? Oh, oh right on. Come on. Of course. <laughs> of course. I'm flagged by customs for nothing then. Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, um, this is so exciting. Obviously, uh, you know, Fred from Saturday Night Live. Um, Portlandia, Trenchmouth. Speaking of which, Brad Brad thinks his old bandmate oh, performed with Trenchmouth. I was in this band called The Goops, and okay. I didn't realize that you were in Trenchmouth. Because, right. And I feel like I, I just I went through some of my old like this was like around the same time, like uh -huh. mid nineties. But um, 
I couldn't come up with anything. So well, I don't we, know if we you... were broken up by ninety six. Yeah, we broke up in ninety seven. Um, where were you from? We were from New York. You were in New York. Yeah, band. But we played Chicago a lot. And so, uh, you, do you think it was in Chicago you played with us? Yeah. Or New York? And I looked. I tried. To, I have like some of my some of the old itineraries. And I looked through them, and I couldn't find it. I saw somewhere like we played, and then you guys played like two nights later, like Fireside and uh, Okay Fire. So you guys played the Fireside? Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. Maybe do we you just think, met there. Do or you something. think it would have been a Fireside show? Because those shows are very like they'd be four bands and yeah, very, it's that possible. was very that was kind of fast. You know what I mean? Like that could have been that. Would you remember other venues you played there? Um, well, what was the big place? Metro? There's Metro. If it was Metro, we probably didn't play with you. Because we, we, we toured with a lot of bands that played at Metro. But yeah. when, when we went through on our own, we played Fireside a lot. I'm going to guess it might have been the Fireside. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't find any of the Fireside shows, so that maybe was where it was. I, I which is feeling, an awesome place. Yeah. Oh, that's was it was great. Yeah. And also, like, not, you know, great sound, not really great. It wasn't easy to watch bands there. It's just bowling right. alley. <laughs> but it was kind of like on the corner of a bowling alley. So it's always those places that are odd that have the best shows. You know, those ones that, well, are, that don't seem convenient. I think as soon as it's like a nice theater and there's lots of room for everybody, it then it, I don't know what why that is. But then it's it, like it's like anything that you have when you have to overcome. Yeah. You know, it's like, like a little bit of a battle because there's people bowling during the show, right? Didn't oh, they yeah. like leave lanes yeah. open at the other end? <laughs> yeah, and then there was a bar that you couldn't go into. It was just very like it was a kind of a mess, but kind of it fantastic. Awesome. The bartender awesome. was interesting. Scene. I remember been the Love Co used to play there, and I remember going to the bar to get a drink, and like the guy yeah. had like a like chain. Like it was like the whole vibe there was really funny. Yeah, there very Chicago. Like I think they were very surprised that there were all those punks there. Yeah. So what happened? Yeah. They they don't do shows there anymore. No. I think. Like any city, you know, yeah. there's always like that great place and then that, you know, the promoter moves or like the, or the person who owns it doesn't want to have shows there anymore. That's just, that seems to happen everywhere, but. Do you ever play the old 930 in DC? Yes. Uh, old 930 and then in other bands that I was in, we played the old 930. That was a great room. That was great, great, great. Mm-hmm. That was one of the best rooms ever. I always sounded good there. I grew up in Northern Virginia, so uh-huh. that's where, that was the only place to go unless where alexandria uh springfield okay so it was that was the only place to go see cool bands unless it was a church and you were going to see you know a positive force show or you know fugazi or nation of ulysses i missed nation of ulysses which is Mm -hmm. interesting because we were just talking to joan about nation of ulysses when i was uh looking at some old trench mouth videos that's what reminded me you guys reminded me of nation a bit oh we were friends with them yeah and damon you know, Damon, our singer, was from D.C., so he was connected to all those people. He, uh, he really knew them well. I've, so is I think, that – I have to ask you about the, uh, the D.C. thing because mm-hmm. my wife's from D.C., mm-hmm. and we were watching that Portlandia episode yeah. where you guys – there's like the scene in the bar where you, you two are like trying to like outname each other, mm-hmm. and she her, she her jaw was down. She was like, those are all real people. They were. Those are all real people. <laughs> Those are all people from the DC scene. Yeah, it was fucking. So, what's I, the connection? You're not from DC. Well, our singer oh, okay. is from there, and then because of that, we played there all the time, oh, okay. and like we toured with Jawbox, we toured with Nathan of Ulysses, we did a split it was some seven pretty inch. obscure like references. Oh yeah, there, there, I, I, you know, we emulated Washington, the Washington DC scene. Right. We wished to be in that scene, and and we got as close as we could. You know, we did a split seven inch with Circus Lupus. We we're I'm still friends with Ian Mackay. It's all okay. We're all right, well, that makes very, sense very now. close with with it was brilliant, all of them. I loved that skit. We, lo- I, we loved it. All those I, people. There was Dante. The, the, yeah, that was Dante. That's the part that cracked 
my wife and I both have because my wife used to be a booking agent. Yeah. And so where she was had, she a booking agent? Um, she worked for agency group and then ICM. Oh, geez. Yeah. It was huge. She, well, she, the people she worked with were like, um, uh, Jay Mascus uh-huh. and built to spill. Right. And, um, uh, Mike Watt, you know, all these people that the heavy hitters. Oh, it's great. <laughs> it's my wife has an, as a uh, speaking of minor threat, a poster dedicated to her autographed by all four members of minor threat. Oh, that is good. Which once we got married, I was like, that's half mine. No. Yeah. <laughs> Legally. Yeah. That belongs to me. Yeah. God, that that was a great, great bit on pulling it. Now, so you're from Chicago? No, I'm no. from New York originally. Okay. And then, Long Island and then moved to Chicago for a while. Like, okay. Yeah. And was it, what got you into music? Uh, originally? Yeah. Uh, my mom playing Beatles records for me. And then I just wanted to be in the Beatles. And then... As I got older, you know, and became a teenager, uh, wanting to be in Devo and wanting to be in The Clash. And then as I got older from then, w- wanting to be in Husker Du and Bad Brains and The Specials and The Stranglers and The Damned and just, you know, re- wanting to be in all those bands and then um, wanting to be part of prince's entourage you know I, I was really into punk and then prince came out and i was like this is more punk than punk dude thank you i've said that uh, you have said that <laughs> yeah people always ask, like what's punk and i always say prince he is because He's the greatest because at the time everything was you know camouflage and mm-hmm. and the punk already had like a kind of uniform i missed the first boat of punk i was like too young for that original 77 but in new york in like 80 two or so um you know the clash was like the punkest and there's dead kennedys and all this stuff and you know the idea behind punk is you i think or any good art is like you've got to really turn everything upside down and then i saw the video for that song 1999 you know and he's got this like sort of long sort of coat and there's purple neon everywhere and pink neon and like that to me was like that's what it's about it just it spun it around and i was like that is how he's from minneapolis it's like that is punk that's how you do it you mm-hmm. just redefine it all no war no camouflage no guns no just like little boots you know <laughs> it's like screw you i'm gonna wear heels i'll show you punk you, you want to see punk this <laughs> yeah. is this is what it sounds like you want to you know sing about politics how about you know 1999 and little red corvette and and I will never stop loving the Clash. I'm not saying it it negated that, mm. I, that, but Prince was a sort of reawakening of all that stuff. Mm. And then, and anyway, and then it goes on and on. All the stuff that we all like, you know. Mm-hmm. When did you start playing drums? I was like maybe ten or something. My family lived in Brazil, and um, I got really interested in. in I loved the samba bands and the streets, you know. That or they're called samba schools. All these people with surdos and cuicas and like all these little percussion instruments and they'd have these huge parades and as a little kid i was like oh man that that sound is is incredible and then when we moved back to new york uh, i started taking drum lessons simple as that i just took uh, at school i took drum lessons and private lessons and i always just wanted to play the drums forever and uh, and you know I, i'll oh it'll always be part in my i'll always consider myself a drummer right on yeah. i saw you play drums at madison square garden mm-hmm. uh and it was one of the f- coolest and funniest things I've ever seen. It was the Wilco, Flaming Lips, mm-hmm. Slater-Kinney, New Year's Eve shows, yeah. 2003, 2004. Yeah. And 
uh, you did the Timbali character. That's right. Felicito. So much fun. Because it was right before Flaming Lips. So uh, Wayne Coyne has the camera on the mic. That's right. Because your face was just plastered over the back of yeah. Madison Square Garden. How, how was that? I mean, was that daunting? It was a personal thing of like, <clears throat> I was like, ah, what dream come true. Madison <sighs> Square Garden. And uh, also with Flaming Lips, which is like, that's another dream come true. You know, mm-hmm. I, I really idolize those guys and then Sleater Kinney who was my favorite band and Wilco who are my favorite band too you know like I loved all of them I was like there was not a weak link in the bunch you know I was like this is all the dream did you know all of them from oh yeah, yeah. from touring before so yeah yeah I was friends with all of them and they, they just was, said hey want to MC our giant yeah. New Year's Eve event yeah and uh, <laughs> like absolutely you did something that I think kind of defines your style of comedy uh-huh. and it was it could have gone either way, and it went a way that I enjoyed because I like kind of I like awkward moments. So this is 2003, and um, the tsunami had just happened, uh-huh. and you came out on stage as a roadie testing microphones. Oh, okay, yes, I remember that. And no one knew what was going on; they just thought it was a roadie tested mic. Right, yeah. And you said, "This is a live recording." So everybody do a yeah, and the crowd was like, "Okay, yeah." Mm. And he was like, "All right, now somebody." Said I don't something. remember what I said. It's so <laughs> funny. Oh, dude, I, it, I have photos. It killed me. It was mm-hmm. so much fun. You said something like, okay, now um, someone made a joke. You don't really get it. So give me a kind of, ah. <laughs> and the whole Madison Square Garden just goes, ah. <laughs> And then my buddy and I are like, I think that's Fred Armisen. I think he's <laughs> fucking with the crowd. One of the coolest roadie and, in the world. And then he said, <laughs> then you went, okay, someone might say something about the tsunami. So give me an awe. And the crowd just split. They just turned in a split second and went, ugh. <laughs> wow. Really awkward. Yeah. But. You counted it, and then it was just fun again. But it was just that, like, it was just daring. It was, wow. It was a, I, it was a daring, like, uh, Rob Cordy has a line, that a, a well-written joke, you can joke about anything. Yeah. And that was just a very daring, fun moment. And it was, I don't know, it worked for me. Uh-huh. And I really, really dug it. And I've always wanted to ask you about that. Like, I, uh, I remember I did a couple things for that show. And I remember trying to do the crowd thing. And I remember trying to make it seem like I was a real roadie. It worked. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't do anything where I was like, "Hey, it's like, it's me," or you know. And I, I was doing a long test because I, I always think that roadies are always going two, 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 <laughs> and everyone is always sit, sitting there, and it's always like that tone, two, 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 and then, uh, and then I think that came to me or something. I, I don't know what it was, but um, I never, you know, I never want to do anything mean or. Even sh- that's shocking. I think it's just a thing of like just trying to get some kind of reaction. But I always try to like I it's I I I don't ever want to alienate the audience. That might have been I might have been sort of playing with that a little bit. But I am not. I don't subscribe to like yeah if they don't get it. You know I I try to keep it all ki- kind of like uh, positive. You, know? you seem to be more inclusive in your comedy. Yeah, I think. yeah. I it, it, I don't go for like. I don't go for like subversive in, in the negative way of like, you know, I'm not out to get anybody. It was mm. so funny. And then when they counted down to midnight, Wilco launches into Judas Priest, uh, oh, nice. Living After Midnight, which yeah. is great. And you're on stage dressed as Prince and there yeah. was no mention of it. That's Mike right. wasn't past you. He was just there dressed as Prince yeah. and it was perfect. <laughs> yeah. And I remember I hugged Carrie. <laughs> I remember I hugged, she's the first person I hugged and was like, Happy New Year. And... And you still talk to her, <laughs> Carrie Brownstein. Yeah, I we email. <laughs> what happened? Is it have you guys overcome? Uh, we're it? just it's a business. Portlandia is a business. I don't don't know her that well, and it's 
we, you know, we're sponsored by different companies. I mean, that's, I don't, I, those are my, that's my work mate. That's my <laughs> I heard work you don't mate. even do your scenes together. That no, it's, green, I, green I, it's a work thing. I'm not interested <laughs> in comedy and shows and pals and friends. I have my own Long Island friends. That, those are my friends. Mm-hmm. That's just Carrie Brownstein. I, I guess she's talented. I guess she's, I know she has a band. If you're, in, if you're into it. You or know. something. But yeah, I'm I'm all about Pete Townsend and that's it. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what kind of joke that was. I was just trying to think of someone really like beloved by, by oh, everyone. It's a good Long Island you know? joke. You, know, you, you, can, you can let your love open the door any way you want. Oh. Ooh. Come on. Don't be Come a rough. On. Don't be a rough boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love Pete Townsend. I do love The Who. I mean, who doesn't love The Who? But I, I saw them at Madison Square Garden for that last... Um, that whole benefit, 12, mm-hmm. 12, 12. And I looked at the audience and they're so Long Island to me. They look like such Long Islanders. And it, I don't know if this dawned on me, but it's like, I think The Who is very much a very Long Island band. Like ever since I've grown up there, it's just like guys love The Who. Like I love The Who. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, classic love rock, them. man. They're just so, to me, they just seem like. But is there any more classic rock, classic rock band? No, I think they're the, the classic. They are, right? Yeah. Some you could say Led Zeppelin, but That's too obvious. That's too obvious. I just think that the Who Zeppelin. The, <laughs> Led Zeppelin. Zep. The Who. Zep. It's so funny how <laughs> it makes sense though. It's such powerful music, mm. you know. How'd you go from punk rock to comedy? Um I did uh I did a video. I was in bands and stuff and I was um uh playing in at South by Southwest with um, my wife at the time and just playing drums for her. And then I got a video camera and, you know, South by Southwest, right? It's a music festival. And then, you know, there's this whole book about like, there's this, the, there was like all these some like sort of talks and panels of like how to make it in the music business and get your song on the radio. And I was in trench mouth. I had, we had just split up or whatever. And I think I was kind of disgruntled and like, I was kind of like maybe even a little bitter or I was just like making the music business. Good luck. There's no <laughs> science to it. So we got a video camera and I would interview bands as different journalists and stuff. Like I do like a retarded guy or like a blind guy and a German guy, just like different characters for no reason. I, I was just like, I'm just going to make this tape. And then a friend of mine edited it and all of a sudden this tape kind of had a life of its own where I was going around South by Southwest interviewing people and uh, it just sort of took over. And then I was showing this video at clubs and I was going on tour for it or I'd play like San Francisco or LA or something. And then before I knew it, that's what I was doing. And then someone from HBO saw it. So they asked me to work for this show called Reverb. It's a great show. Yeah. So I, I did some interviews for them and then... I was kind of just all of a sudden doing comedy and um, or just TV stuff. And I'd always wanted to be on TV. And then that's what was happening. And then I moved to LA and I started doing some stand-up. Ended up on a, a pilot for Bob Odenkirk. I mean, things happened very... Turned around what really quickly. What was the quickly. pilot? It was called Next. Next. It was like a, a sketch show. Okay. And because of that show... I, so anyway, I went to LA and I befriended yeah. all these people and David Cross and Bob Odenkirk and... He put me on his show. The show didn't go, but then I had all this videotape of me doing characters, sent it to SNL, my agents did and stuff, and then I was auditioning for them. Everything just 
very quickly, I spent a lot of time playing the drums a lot. And then as soon as I started doing comedy, it just really spiraled or snowballed or whatever you want to call it. Like it, it was just me saying yes to everything. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> do you want to do these interviews? Yeah. Do you want to do some pieces for HBO? I'd love to. And then that was it. And uh, it's still sort of continuing on, you know. What what caused the end of Trenchmouth? Band stuff? Uh, yeah, me being um, wanting more. You know, I, I remember kind of auditioning for other bands and stuff. And I just was, I really, the honest thing is like, I felt like we weren't famous enough. You know, we did okay. We toured, had some, played some good places. But like, <clears throat> I remember bands kept passing us by. Right. So mm. bands like Smashing Pumpkins would pass us by. And I was like, okay, we're a punk band. That's okay. But then Tortoise hit it big. Tortoise would go and play Europe, these huge places and have these records come out and everyone wrote about them. And I was like, now that is some arty music. Something's up. And, and you know, we're all friends. And But the honest thing is more like, I was like, I, I don't, I, this isn't, I, I want more. That style that Trenchmouth played, like I was saying, it you know, reminded me of, you know, Nation and, yeah. and, and the makeup, you know, bands like Ian Sfinonius bands, you know, yeah. like that kind of stuff. That's a devoted following, but just a hard sell, you know? It's fine for the moment. Mm-hmm. We did fine for, you know, being on tour. <clears throat> we paid for our van and for our gas and all that stuff and motels or whatever. But there, there's a stop to that, you know? There's a, I was, however, however old I was. I think I was about 30. So it was just kind of like, right, 96? I must have been 29 or 30 that I was just like, that this is, you know, time. that It's fine when you're we're 25. Mm-hmm. For me, for Trenchmouth. You know? Did you get signed to a major? Kind of. We were on East, East West East for West, one album. But right. really, our label was on East West. Right. Yeah. I mean, for I loved it. We played, you know, I loved playing the drums. I loved my bandmates. Love touring. We saw so much of this country and the world, but there was just like, after a while, it's like, yeah, enough, it needs enough to go. It needs to move. For on. me, that's all. Oh. I had a question about the South by Southwest video that I've always yeah. wondered. When you're interviewing Steve Albini, yeah. did he know you already? Yes. Like, okay, because I couldn't, because he seems like a really straight <laughs> face, like he's trying he to was be trying, sympathetic. Yeah. So I was like, maybe he doesn't know. And then, like, <clears> they <throat> have to know each other. No, like, at, by then, and that was, that was in Chicago, we did that. Okay. Um, by then, he had seen some of the stuff. So I was like, who are you going to do? The German guy? I was like, I don't know yet. Maybe the German guy. And then I started doing this retarded guy. And then he was trying not to laugh. Then he laughed. And yeah. Did the German guy morph into Jens Henneman? Pretty much. It's just okay. like the German guy came from when Trenchmouth used to get do interviews. Whenever German journalists or even just Germans in general. And I, by the way, it's a great country. I love going there and uh, no insult to them. But they were always so matter of fact and quote-unquote honest but insulting so they do this thing <laughs> where, where to them they're just like what's wrong i'm just being honest and i'm like yeah but you got to be polite so they would say like so your group is you're not so good yes? <laughs> every artist we've had in here and every yeah. artist i think in our interviewing career has a german journalist story to the point where when panic panic of the disco started they were 19 yeah they were getting ready to go on tour and i said i need you guys to write down every question a german journalist says to you and they're like why i went 
I don't want to tell you why. <laughs> Just trust me. There, it's a real, it's something else. And even the promoters are ever like, Yeah, you know so many people here. Tortoise played yesterday and they were really sold out. You know, they just <laughs> love sort of pointing out to you how flawed you are with no point to it. Just sort of, uh, what can I say to that? I'm like, I guess you're right. Yeah. We have a friend whose band was like, they were major label signed. And he told me that the, that the journal said, uh, this tour, you are fat. Why? Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. I think they're Russian, right? They think they're being, I think. They have this thing with it. They think they're because I, I played. I played with a German musician once who was exactly the same way, and he backed it up by being like, "I'm just being honest." And I'm like, "Honesty is overrated." I think. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like it's. I didn't. You're not my friend. I didn't ask you. <laughs> Honesty is truth laced with compassion. As yeah. Just, my therapist would say. I like that. Yeah. It's like truth is just blunt, but honesty, it's like let me let's yeah let me talk to you about that. Only being honest. <laughs> I, I I lived in Germany as a, as a kid in West Germany actually. Uh -huh. My dad was in the military, so I used to, Germans just Germans to this day just always just crack me up. Where what city? I lived in what? Heidelberg, which is stunning. Heidelberg seems to be like a big sort of American. There's that university there's there. There's a university there, and there's a base there, and it's one of those cities that during World War II they're like, don't hit this one. Right, it looks pretty cool. Dresden, you can fuck up, but this one, don't yeah, you know, nail it. Um, so I've been to East Germany a lot. My dad's half German. Oh wow! So before you know, the, when the wall was still up, I went to that part of that. The Where? Country. Whoa! East Berlin. I've been. To, I went to East Berlin and Rostock <clears throat> and uh, um, a couple other places. But so you've been through the actual. I've done it too as a kid. Cha a, a checkpoint Charlie. Yeah, it is. It is. There's nothing like it. It's really weird because when we're 50 or 70 or whatever, when we start talking to kids about, or even now, mm -hmm. about what it was like, we're going to sound like relics. Like, no, you just have to show your past. Like, they stamped the hell out of your past. They, it was communist Germany. They were like, mm -hmm. not only were they communists, which is all about red tape and stamps and, and, and visas and stuff, they were German. So they were ultra. It was insane. <laughs> it was, they were crazy people. <laughs> They were crazy people. My, my passport, every other country in Europe, boom. But East Germany was like, they actually put, they had a stamp put in it. They were just so, a million questions. And you had to change your money over and you were not allowed to, you had to change a certain amount of money over and you were not allowed to change it back. Or you could, but it was worthless. Oh in other God. words, in other words, how do I put this? You go to Spain, you change your money over. Uh, and then you change it back when you go back to the, right. this place was just like, you have to do this amount of money and good luck to you. And in other words, you had to spend it. Right. In other words, that was a ripoff. That's a, that's yeah, robbery. They kept your extra money. It's like a gift card. That it was a lot of money. But Mark's intended. <laughs> Mark who? <laughs> do you, what do you remember the now, now I'm a little bit mad about it. So I'm like, you guys, <laughs> that is a ripoff. You can't do that to people. We, and you couldn't buy anything there. <laughs> I remember I felt like a millionaire there and it was all garbage. Mm -hmm. That's the thing about like, that's the thing that makes me anti-communist is not like, not, not because it's like pro-American just because I'm like, this stuff sucks. <laughs> terrible cake, terrible coffee, terrible everything, terrible cars. <laughs> it was polluted. It was just crappy. And then West Berlin was tons of fun, right? West Berlin was awesome. Isn't it gorgeous? Awesome. What a beautiful place. That you just felt like you were in the future. That you know, right. and in the eighties, it was ultra, just like cool and like. So it was totally yin and yang. Yeah, but it was literally like color and black and white. When you went through the wall, 
where you go through two giant seven foot slabs of concrete right. in case your car explodes, nothing goes anywhere. Yeah. And there's barbed wire and there's Everywhere. Like, mo- like, obviously landmines and guards and God, it was a mess. When I was there as a kid, I, we, I did it a couple times. One time I, we took the train. Right. That was, was the only way I went. Oh, the train? train? Yeah. Okay. The duty train. Um, well, the American, the army was called the duty train, uh-huh. would, which is kind of funny now. It's a kid. <laughs> uh, and I remember I dared a kid to give the finger to a, a Russian guard. Right. And uh, he got a, an AK to the face. Not hit. He just aimed it at him. And this is, of course, you know, over a fence or whatever. So he's probably just fucking with the American kid. But all I remember is him crying and me giggling. Oh, that's good. (laughs) And uh, and I don't know. I spent my band tour Germany a lot. Uh Um, What instrument do you play, by the way? I play guitar. Okay. Um, But I remember the thing I remember the most is the Raper Bond. Oh, yeah. I think was in Hamburg. That's Hamburg. And they were like, you should go check out this area. And I'm like, cool, we'll do whatever with like a day off. And it was like um, all prostitutes in snowsuits because it was cold out. And they were just wearing like these colored snowsuits. And it was so crazy to me. And like, <laughs> That's the ultimate in decadence. That yeah, is, <laughs> totally. Yeah. What's underneath the snowsuit? Find out. I don't know. Make it ladies. <laughs> but they would, they, would, they would say something. I'd be like, no, thank you. And then they'd yeah. be like, English. And then they like keep yelling English. So then they try to solicit you in English. Yeah. Um, they had a whole... Which I thought was a good idea. They had a whole blocked out uh, porn district, which yeah. is probably good for cities. Just keep it in one area. It's like yeah, the totally. red light district. Yeah, there's yeah. girls in the windows and like. Yeah, I never had seen anything like that before. You know, so. who used to play in that area. Little unknown band called the Beatles. I think it was Long <laughs> Be right John back. and the Silver Beatles. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> think. Hey, watch out for Steve. No, you know. Sure. You don't think. You know. <laughs> I do know. Was that their original name? It was one of them. They had a whole really? bunch. I didn't know. That. Yeah. Long John. I never heard that one. That was it. Long John and the Silver Beatles. And and then, yeah, Silver then there was Beatles. the Silver Beatles. Yeah, Silver Beatles. There's photos of them as the Silver Beatles. Yeah. A couple of them then with the little drum kit. And that's where they got good because they kept getting hopped up on speed to, and they had to play like 10 sets a night. Like right. all night long. Yeah, all night. Seems like a lot of great stuff comes from playing all night long. Like, um, uh, Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin used to do, yep. and they'd go to Atlantic City and they'd play eight shows or ten shows a day. That's what it was. Like you start in the afternoon, show, 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 show. It's like becomes like, yeah. jazz musicians are so good. Yeah. Uh, so here's my probably best segue yet. Talking about the Beatles playing over in Hamburg, which makes me think of Backbeat, a uh-huh. great movie, which yeah. makes me think of the soundtrack, which had people like Thurston Moore, Dave Perner on it. And Dave Grohl playing the drums. Dave Grohl played the drums with you in one of my favorite SNL sketches, yeah. Crisis of Conformity. Yeah. How did that come about? And when he was just on recently, did you think about doing it again? Oh, uh, we've talked about it a bunch. And we put out a Crisis of Conformity single yeah. through Drag City. Um, and on the cover of that, there's Dave Grohl's in there because he was part of the DC hardcore scene. So he's, he's in there as, in the crowd. But Crisis of Conformity is like my most personal moment in all my tenure at Saturday Night Live, that is the most, it's almost like that could have been the last sketch I ever did in its sort of significance in my life. And for what, you know, I didn't say as much. I just, it was its own sketch and its own premise. But like after that sketch, I was like, that's, that's the main thing I I ever wanted to do. And that's like a love letter to my teen years. It's a love letter to like punk it's, you know, in reference to all, 
all all punk that I grew up on, and an American that sort of American version of punk, and it's so gorgeous. <clears throat> like my, my my wife was like, "You asked Fred, they haven't done it again. It's so good and so funny." Th- thank you. Yeah. It's it's you know I'm not a big like pride guy. I'm not like yeah. Hey, I'm you know I I do think of SNL as its own thing and it's a family and and there's a whole legacy and all I want to do is contribute. But that is the one thing that for me privately is like, I'm like, I'm so glad that that happened. I'm so glad that it happened uh, and how it sounded and that, you know, they let us do the song and that there was destruction in it. And also for the point of the sketch that the reality is that people of that age are, you know, people who in the original punk scene are of that age where they have a daughter who's getting married. Mm -hmm. And there was that that, um, movie that came out, I think it was called American Hardcore. Yep. And there were some interviews in there when I was looking at some of them, I was like, oh, wait a minute. You know, that was to me the most youthful music, you know, like anti-Reagan. I was like, this, those people will never get old. <laughs> and there they were. Mm-hmm. And they look great. I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's just, that's what happens. When Even the most that... angry music. Yeah. Totally white hair. Yeah. You know, <laughs> reader glasses and stuff. I mean, it's just, it's just how it is, you know. It's like when you think we... Joe and I went to see The Descendants, and it's like, wow, Milo Goes to College came out over 30 years ago. Yeah. Yep. It's like that, what? There's a good uh, article in Filter about that. Oh, really? Filter Magazine, yeah. It's about Milo and just what you know what the, that band is up to now, what they've been through. I didn't know that Bill Stevenson had... He was super sick. He was yeah. sick for a while? I had Bad, no idea. He had a tumor. Got through this brain tumor. It was gigantic. This, we saw... Um, uh, my wife's friends with Bill, and uh, we were... Where do they live? Um, Bill's in... Where's the Blasting Fort Room? Collins, Colorado yeah. is yeah. where his studio is. Yeah, the Blasting yeah, Room. Yeah, he's got a pretty well-known recording scene. He just does wow. a lot of bands there. Did the new Souls record, which is great. Who else did he do? But, I mean, the Scar, I mean... Off it's not, with their heads, I just interviewed them. They just did a record there. Oh, really? Yeah. God, it's so good. A lot of bands. And they're... Against records there, a lot of bands. And they're touring... They're playing Australia again, or Japan. I, I, had, I had no yeah, idea. Yeah. I had yeah. no idea that he had been through that. Did you know those guys too? Like all in them? I loved them, but I never met any of them. Okay. Never met any of them, never played with any mm-hmm. of them, but I bought their records. I yeah. remember buying the all record and Descendants are great. And they really cut out a real thing for themselves. That like, um, what a fun, anyway, I, I don't need to re-explain the Descendants, but. Um, <laughs> Some, I, I think there's finally a documentary coming out. I think the Descendants, like if you know the Descendants, you kind of know, and they are super popular, but. They're not super popular, and right. they're the band that more so than the Ramones like carved out the pop punk. It's you know? crazy yeah. to me. Like I forget that they were on SST. Yeah, especially during yeah. that time. Like I always think of Black Flag. I totally, mean, Meat and, Puppets, like, and you're there. Totally. And you're like, like, well, yeah, Descendants having you, that pop you, sensibility and being kind of sensitive. Yeah, there used to be an SST store on Sunset. Yeah, I've been in it. I was in that when I was in. I lived in California. I remember walking in and being like, "The heck? What? Wasn't there a Tang record store around there too? Tang was on." Um, Melrose. Okay. Because I remember going in with my buddy from high school and he looked up at the wall at all these seven inches and he went, I would be rich. Crap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crap. If taken out a loan and bought them and sold them now, you yeah. probably would be rich. How do those stories, I'm so bummed that those stores don't exist. Like, the, isn't there an agreement as a customer? You're like, I don't care about economics. Just stay open and be here. Yeah. I think it's important. I'm just like, I'm not interested in whether or not you went out of business. Just be open and be have an SST store here, you know? Yeah. But the Descendants, yeah. Um, <laughs> Bill Stevenson, also like his drumming style, that's a real, he had some real personality. That, I haven't heard someone who sounded like that, that very heavy but low 
there's like something about the way that he played. It sounded like his th- cymbals were really thick and like he had a really great style, that guy. He's has a great style. Yeah. I don't mean past tense. I mean like has a great style. They did a show last year they played um punk rock bowling uh-huh. in Las Vegas and they did a set one night was descendants, the other night was all. Uh-huh. And for all it was did you hear about this? It was no. all three all. Three singers. It was Dave Smalley, Chad Price, and Scott Reynolds, and they did like a three and a half hour set. Oh, that's great! And then the next night they did a Descendants set. So he's just—he's like—he's like the punk jazz drummer, and he plays. And I think he yeah. plays with like five <clears throat> sticks, like really thick. Yeah, it sounds bats, like it. Yeah, he does. You know? it sounds like. But he—but he's that smooth, you know. He looks interesting too. Like I like his face. Like he's got. He's like a real figure. He's in think, black in flag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, <clears throat> he's a real soldier. He's like a punk soldier. Yeah, right. And, <clears throat> do, and I think when, they, when people like that, they always seem selfless. They don't seem like they're out for their own sort of solo career thing. You know, they're very like, they just serve these bands, you know? And now that he, so many people want to produce with him, um, he did a couple of two Rise Against records, I think. He has this, the guys in Rise Against told the story about how they had, you know, the, one of the, the big mixers, you know, uh-huh. mixing the final thing that was doing a lot of pop records. And they were like, well, Bill's going to be in there too. And so this guy who mixes, mixed all these, you know, big bands like My Chemical Romance and Paramore and all that. So next to him is Bill Stevenson going, no, why don't we do that too? And really, you know, forcing this guy to like think a little differently. Oh, I like that. And I was like, oh, that's a wonderful story. That's awesome. I'm um, glad he's better too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. it was crazy. What I think is cool about you also is it seems like you're very up on newer bands. Like I've met like Michael from Telekinesis, who's uh-huh. awesome through you. Yeah. And um, do you still go to record stores? Do you still check out a lot of bands? Is it because it's hard for me to kind of keep up on newer bands, and that's all I do, sort of. Yeah, but that's a good way to you know. I think it's good to like when you if you have the feeling that you can't ever can't ever catch up. That's good that you're like chasing and yeah. I you know there's people who do it better than me and more than me, but there I try. Only because I love it. And uh, I do go record shopping. I have a record bag with me. I was going to go to a record store, but I have to go do this radio thing with Ira Glass after this, which is, I'm not complaining, (laughs) but a little bit of me was like, oh, I really wish I had time to go to the record store. I can't. Like, which is an okay, but it's a good problem to have. Can you open with that to Ira? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I really... I want, I have my I even brought like a burlap bag so I can but I love getting <laughs> records I love I, you saw in Portland I I get records there so I have like a, a collection there yeah, that I can start nice and, up. he's got like a nice turntable like an old receiver and he sent pictures yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I wish that, of your whole place every it's square not, it's not okay? <laughs> yeah. uh, every room go bananas go crazy but, yeah I mean go do, crazy. do you buy mostly mostly vinyl I do because they they I'm not anti MP3, but they always have a code for an MP3. Right. So yeah, now it's, it's just, great. It's, it's so it's like a win win. But it's my favorite thing I, about it. Oh, it's it's great. I'm like, yeah. yes, please. That's the way to do it. Um, but I I also, you know, I will say Pitchfork really is good at, you, you know, alerting me about bands, and they're they're usually right. I'm like, yep, this was a good pick, and so I always at the end of the year do the top fifty albums, and I I, I get I try to get them all. Some of them you can't get, aren't available, but I just go through the list and I either shop for them or download them or whatever. But I think they're really good about that. But yeah, I, it's, I love it. I love that about being alive, that there's new bands. That's like the best thing. Cause, 
because looking at stuff when I was growing up, I actually was sad that, you know, I was like, when I grow up, bands are going to go away. There's going to be something else, another instrument. I could just tell. I thought, you know, the way I thought of Frank Sinatra, I'm like, that stuff is dead. I thought, you know, I was like, that's for, and like, and I was like, oh, but the unfortunate thing is my thing that I like, that's going to be dead. And then it's not like there's bands with kits and amps and they're, you know, reinventing it, but it's still so, I'm people just coming out with music that it, it's not like, oh, this is new and I really like it. I'm like, this is the, this is great. This is as great as anything. It's such a good climate really inventive uh, visual bands the bands are being so visual which is like thank god for that you know younger and younger and and great grimes is you know how old you know and she's a genius she's like so musical and it's, it's the best i mean yeah i don't want to go through a li- I, I was going to go through a li- you know list of all these people who i like but i'm just saying that like it's really reassuring and it's like a, a good feeling it is cool when you hear a band and you're like oh i haven't heard that yet yeah. or at least whether or not it's influenced by someone else, it hasn't crossed my threshold. You know? Yes. And that's exciting. It know? is. And and people who are kind of like doing new versions of things that you're just not, I'm like not familiar with it. John Mouse, this guy, John Mouse is this kind of like art music guy. I was like, ah, oh, I've never heard anything like this. It's like when I was in college and someone said, this is called Can. Oh, yeah. And I was <laughs> like, what is this? I'm, I'm confused and yeah, concerned, yeah, yeah. but play it again. Yes. <laughs> That's the best feeling yeah. when that happens. Yeah. And there's bands who also aren't just inventive, but rock so hard that I thought I've, I'd heard the heaviest music. And then I heard Liturgy. You know the band Liturgy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're on Thrill Jockey. You think, I, I thought I heard the heaviest music already. <laughs> this is the heaviest <clears throat> thing you've ever heard. It's not even metal. <clears throat> It's heavier than metal. It, it's <laughs> it's so heavy, and it's not even it's slow. It's dark matter. It's it's dark matter. <laughs> that is the best description. <laughs> when you listen to it, you'll see what I mean. It, you don't know what they're doing. You're like, what are these guys? Is it are these people human? <laughs> it's not speed metal. It's not it's not black metal. It's this thing is it doom metal do you remember that when that came that came was a couple years ago yeah, it was like yeah. these they japanese guys were like we're taking what happened with hiroshima and we're gonna put it to music and you're like okay you know it's like the well metal is definitely probably the few one of the few rock genres that benefits from technology like you know what i mean yeah like it can only get heavier using technology yeah you know whereas like the blues always sounds yeah records blues records from the 60s sound great from the 50s they sound great but like like yeah there's a real there's a real i don't what i don't know if you can curse but a real f you about metal too that's like it doesn't matter to metal it doesn't matter if they're if they're popular or not popular like they're not into like hey we just want to make it onto the charts they're just like oh we're good we could care less if, if, you know, we have our own thing. Well, I remember, who was it? Maybe it was Metallica. It was one of the big bands that went on to get really huge that, like, they never, they never charted, you know? And yeah. They, but they, they made so much money off touring mm-hmm. and, and they sold enough Must records. Must have been and, Slayer. <laughs> yeah. Might have been Slayer. Maybe it was. I think that still exists though, because I live down the street from the Spar St. Vitus in uh-huh. Greenpoint, where my band's playing next week, and we had the owner on here, and 
they have shows all the time. It's like a metal bar, and uh-huh. there'll be some band I never heard of, and it will be packed. Like they'll be like, "Oh, this band's like this Norway right. black yeah. metal band," and it's like, I'm like, "How do people know about this? Like, how do, it's so underground." The metal like, underground. I'm like, we're in Greenpoint, like <laughs> Long Island City, and there's like 300 people to see some band. Like, yeah, it, the there's no hype behind it, and they're like, oh, "Hey, there's, there's no sense of like this is the next big thing." It is really just like it's its own club. It can last forever that way, and it's the, and it's the most devoted. Fan so base, devoted. Where if they sell ten thousand records out of their trunk, they're just yeah. the happiest people, and it's so. It's all about the show. Yeah, it's insane. Just really good shows. Fred, did you see that Anvil documentary? Yes. Oh god, that was moving. Yeah, really yeah. moving. They're doing a second one. Are they? Yeah, Anvil Two, Red, White, and Anvil. No, I know they're doing one. I don't know what's called. That's nice. But... That documentaries give people second lives. You know. Yeah. I. Did, uh, I was un, un, unfamiliar with uh, Harry Nilsson until yeah. his documentary, and then that opened up a whole new, you know, room of records. So you are in one of my favorite music documentaries. Which one is that? I'm trying to break your heart. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There's that's a- like the first time I was ever on a movie screen. Really? Yeah, that's the first time I was like, oh, that you know. So were you opening a Tweety solo show? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'd done some stuff with Wilco, but then he did this one tour on the West Coast that. And this is before I was on SNL. So people were really puzzled. Because uh, his thing was like, he's like, I, these audiences are too serious. This whole vibe is too serious. Would you come and just open the shows? And I was like a, a nobody. And doing characters, not even jokes, doing, char- you know, Felicito. And the audience really was very, they weren't even mad. They were just, what is this? Why would you do this to us? <laughs> Confused. Who is this guy? It was like, they looked at me like a, a crazy person. Like, what? What are you doing on stage? Really, truly puzzled. And that uh, that wasn't my intent. I wasn't like I went out there to puzzle them and confuse them. I was trying to be funny, and they were just like, you know, it was a. I love doing the tour, but it was very. We don't know what's happening, because you know, I'm. It's like I'm like some Spanish guy in the tambales, you know. But do you feel like you feed off that kind of an element where like having that opportunity to do something and knowing that people are Yeah, I mean that's what got me where I am. I like I kind of that's what made me make my way is all those silences and all those what is happening right now is like kind of what I you know, that's what I made my living doing and that's I would even when I did stand up after that not with Wilco I it was more of that just it's kind of and it's so weird because i don't intend to be confusing but like that's all it was is just confusing pieces of like why is this guy doing this you know because i the thing all i wanted to do i remember thinking was all i want to do is fool people i don't want it to look like a joke i, I don't want it to, i want it to look seem like that it was a real situation so i would it's so weird talking about myself i'm sorry that i'm so like me 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 but um <laughs> we've already talked about ourselves so we're good, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. totally. But uh, in the early days when I was doing stand-up at like Largo in LA, I would dress up like a priest, but I wouldn't do like, you know, jokes. Like I was, I was, I was trying to be like, hi, I really am a priest and I'm just doing stand-up or, you know, a self-defense expert or whatever. Like I tried to make it seem <laughs> real. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. What, so you, you, you know, you have a, you know, a list of bands in your head. You, you know your drummers backwards and forwards, but then you said comedy just kind of snowballed for you. Uh-huh. So who are your comedy people? Well, that's a, um, if I've, I've, got, I've got to not think when I answer this 
because I think sometimes comedians, myself included, you know, it's easy to, to go to like the cool, you know, like Monty Python and all that stuff. And when I think back to like what really made me laugh when I was growing up or like even in my adult years, like, you know, someone like Martin Lawrence actually was probably a big figure in like how can how can you do comedy in a way that like is convincing and, and has some energy to it? Um, I think in high school, I definitely grew up on Saturday Night Live and I, you know, Eddie Murphy and all, and, um, Dana Carvey and, and Mike Myers was, you know, but, uh, that said, I mean, obviously I think we all loved Monty Python, but, but I think Martin Lawrence is someone who I remember thinking like, wow, that's like, that's a real gift. Cause if you ever watch his show, he he really is committed and it's like, it's not a regular sketch show. It's like a, you know, it's like a, it's almost like a, like a sitcom kind of thing, mm-hmm. but he does characters on it and he is in it. <laughs> he Very is, intense. he looks possessed, mm-hmm. you know, he's really intense. I thought, I mean, coming, I remember when I was growing up, uh, which is a good thing after 120 minutes, they would show the young ones yeah, and then comic strip live that and I don't remember. I remember comic, the young ones. Comic Strip Live was like this weird British sketch show with all those guys, but it was it was really twisted. I remember as a, as a kid in high school being like, I don't get this. This isn't like the young ones at all. It seems different and bizarre. But I find myself as I get older remembering it. And, I don't remember And it was Adrian Edmondson. It was um, uh, Rick Mayall and mm-hmm. Nigel Planner. And it was them, but there was other people like... Um, uh, Ab Fab women, I can't remember yeah. the name. Forgive me. But they were in. They were in some of the young ones too. Yeah, one of them married Adrian Joanna Edmund. Lumley. That's it. Yeah, 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 and that kind of stuff. But like Comic Strip Live, that sensibility I find very similar to Portlandia. Oh, you know, and that kind of, you know, it's I mean, of course, vastly different in the scheme, but it's just like this kind of. Yeah, I remember that they had a sketch where it was a bunch of young British kids who kept getting off and ad- having adventures. You know, and they were like, and one of them said, I'm tired of getting on all these adventures. I just want to go to school. <laughs> wow. And one of them punches him in the face and like, get a hold of yourself. And he just starts sobbing. And then he turns to the camera and goes, we're really sorry. He's not used to. Our, I don't know adventures. this. <laughs> Comic strip live. Thank you. I do not know it. Yeah. I remember the young ones though. They were yeah. great. That oh, was excellent. Did you ever see their, their heavy metal movie? What was the name of it? Oh, there is one, isn't it's there? It's so brilliant. Bad news. No, bad yeah, it's news. bad news. Yeah, yeah. bad news. It? Yeah. It's, have you seen it? It's I've never so seen brilliant. it, but I, 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 yeah. I remember it's, it's it. Ma- yeah. It's in two parts. I think you can, I don't even know if you can rent it. A friend of mine had it on tape. They had some sick shit. Did you ever see the Danger Brothers that they did? No. Uh-huh. Stuff that bad they, news is, they would even air it here. It's funny as shit, though. I highly recommend it. All right. It's really hilarious. Remember they had a video, they played it on Headbangers Ball when it came out. Back way back when in MTV, which by the way is hilarious, the Portlandia take back MTV. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was so, so funny. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. How did Portlandia come about? How long had that been in gestation? Well, Carrie and I, Carrie Brownstein and I, were just doing videos online for no reason. We were friends, and we just started making these videos that had no point. They were, you know, it was like a. It's like taking a break. It was like a little vacation videos we made. And then we just kept making them and making them. And I'd go visit her and we'd have one camera guy who did the sound and 
another friend of ours would edit it. And then we just had all these tapes and we put it up on our website. We didn't even try to compete or try to, you know, monetize any of it. We just had this piece of, of like 10 different sketches. And then it was a really simple thing of my manager saying, well, what do you want to do next? Like, what do you think, what, what do you feel like doing? You're on SNL. And I was like, I want to do more of these Thunder Ant. It was called Thunder Ant. Uh, I want to do more of these. Is there any way we pitch this as a show? Sure. And then we went to Broadway Video, Lauren Michaels' company. This guy, Andrew Singer, does shows there. And he he was like, oh, I think IFC might be wanting to do some comedies. Went to IFC. They said, great. And then before I knew it, we were making a pilot. And then before we knew it, we had season one. And then season two. And here we are, season three. It's just, you know, one thing led to the other. Does your aspiring musician self just get pissed off at your comedian self? <laughs> no, because I'm able to, like, <laughs> I'm able to, in a crazy way, all the music that I ever wanted to do actually did come out because through comedy. So, you know, I was in this punk band, I was in Transmouth, didn't do what I wanted. It wasn't as big as I wanted it to be. But then Crisis of Conformity, it's a, it's a song that I wrote, right? made its way onto the airwaves of NBC. That's as big as a single or whatever. And like, um, I'm not bragging that I wrote it. I'm just saying that like as a musician, a song that, you know, came together, ended up out there, then it, it all worked out. Was yeah, As a drummer and uh-huh. writing that song, all of a sudden, hey, here's Dave Grohl. Yeah. You play the drums. Did you just say, were you very specific in what you wanted him to play? Or did you say Yeah, but but... All of the things in that song, there's nothing original about it. There's mm-hmm. not like, the, right. I, I didn't reinvent it. It's, it's jokes of like what hardcore and punk is. Do you hear me, Alexander Haig? Yeah, that's, so that's from great. Dead Kennedys. They always drop names of politicians. <laughs> and like when you hear it now, you're like, who are you talking about? <laughs> um, and then um, some of it's from uh, uh, Huskudu. There's like a little Huskudu chord thing in it. There's some bad brains in it. And so... To, to show it to Dave Grohl, I was like, we were laughing the whole time. Okay, then there's this. And then there's, you know, the suicidal tendencies part and we're laughing. And it's all like, he knows, he's got such a great sense of humor that he knows it all. So it was just, then there's a, this part. There's a, they all have names, you know. I think the Who's Could Do song would be, ta- I think, Target. Wow. You know, that's all. Just in, inspired by, yeah. I mean, or whatever, or taken from or whatever you want to call it but it's a like that kind of like hardcore always used to do that sort of you know on the on the frets just the you know, the, the one note and then one fret up that yeah, sort yeah. of like dissonant like it's a half step yeah, yeah and and yeah half step thank you <laughs> but that sort of anti you know melody sort of yeah yeah it's awesome so that, <laughs> and then and then the slow moshing part yeah which must be in 50,000 different hardcore songs you know oh yeah you know it's crazy i was listening to dead kennedy's recently and i didn't realize i mean i guess when i was listening to him i was so i was like 15 and then i kind of stopped for a while but it's so surfy like it's east bay Rays yeah. guitar, like those good and it, but it works in such a punk context but i there really are no other bands that have really done that i'm so with you on that they got like put into that hardcore maybe because of their graphics and stuff, right. you know, into that genre. But they were not that. That was like its own kind of music. That, that fresh fruit for rotting vegetables. Totally, surf is the perfect description. That guitar style. Oh, yeah. There is none of that hardcore style. It's like all weird, spooky surf. What an what an incredible band. Totally, huh? and Jella's vocals shit, like it worked in that context. Yeah. But I, in 
he wasn't even angry. Yeah. <laughs> he was sort of talking. <laughs> uh, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that yeah, whole line. so tweaked when you think about it objectively. That was a big, good band. A big, good band. That was a great band of players. Like D.A. Yeah. Polito's yeah. drumming totally. is yep. severe. He's yeah. I got to meet him in L.A. And I remember it's one of those things where after the fact I went, oh, that's neat. D.H., I wonder if he's, oh, crap, it was. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, duh. Yeah. All that kind of weird. He might have done a stint. I don't. I think I'm. I don't know if I'm right, but with Red Hot Chili Peppers for like when they were replacing drummers for a little he, while. He did for a second. Might have done that. I. I wish. You know, reunions aren't very. Um. You know, they're not always the best thing in the world. But that's a band that like because I think that now they tour without Jello. I'm yeah. like, oh, guys, get it together. And they yeah, tour I was out without get it together, Florida, too. I think I was at Irving Plaza and they showed a thing on the screen before the band like Kennedy's, and I was like, got so excited. Yeah. And then I like googled. I was like, oh, it's no, like some one guy. of the guys or something like. I understand it's showbiz and you got to make a living, but I'm like, oh, guys, come on. What's the fight? Stop the right. fight. Just for us. <laughs> yeah. I take I take offense to when bands don't get along and then they can't regroup because I feel like it's that's not up to them. That's yeah. the, I'm like, no, no, no. We paid you and we bought your records. I don't care if you guys don't get along. It's you, bigger than your egos. Yeah. It's I don't care. Art. Get on stage. <laughs> that's what we paid you for. Yeah. <laughs> You know, get on stage. I mean, we. I bought your record. What and now? What you don't get along with something? Some money thing? I don't care. <laughs> that goes to the jam. I'm like, do a show at Coachella or whatever. You know, do it. I don't care. I know that you guys are all moved ahead, but for me, Dead Kennedys jam. I'm I'm happy the Bad Brains did it. That was really yeah. good. I'm Brad, like, how you how you how you holding up replacements Coachella? Yeah, that's what I want. You okay? That's, I think it's placements like, is the one I want. Yeah. You're waiting on what jawbreaker? But who? Yeah, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Though. No. And replacements is not going to happen. It is. They're playing Coachella. It was just yeah. announced this week. Really? No. Yeah. They're releasing an EP. Well, the EP oh, is. But Chris Mar- I thought Chris Mars didn't want to do it. Uh, I don't know. It just let's said, find that out. It just said well, on, the EP. Chris Mars isn't on. He's not. But it, do you so want he to, probably won't be at the show unless. But didn't he? Didn't he use something like he came back for like a uh, Westerberg thing? <laughs> Let's look know. into this. Let's find out what the what all the I know is because I was offended because it showed one. I've been to a few Coachellas and realized why I don't want to go back. But it's it's it it showed like the headliners and like like the main the main acts and the second line. And the second line was the replacement. So I was uh. like, that's just wrong to me. <laughs> replacement should be up there in yeah. bigger font and huge. So I don't know. I don't know, man. Well, let's see. Let's find yeah. out. Also, if it's not Chris Mars, I'm not going to be. I mean, whatever. That's all right. I'll, <laughs> I'm not going to be upset. I, but I want to see. Yep. I like. I like original. We all like original members. We like. I mean, Husker Du would be amazing. I'm not saying forever, but mm-hmm. just give us a little something, you know. Did you go to that uh, recent Bob Mould tour? I kept missing it. Yeah. I meant to, and I just kept. I, we, we it was doing Portlandia. So oh, got it. Yeah. I, what I thought was interesting was I hung out with John Worcester. He's been on the podcast before. He's yeah. been with Bob. And I assume that you guys were friends just because you're both so funny and such good drummers. That's nice of you. And he was like, I've, never, I've actually never met him, but yeah. I would love to meet him. I knew the guitar player, I think, or bass player from Bob's band. And um, we, we became kind of friendly. But And I met Bob. And I went to a show, but I couldn't stay. I had to go catch a flight. So oh, I man. met Bob Mould and freaked out i did we got to interview him once you were, did you come you were, were you there nope we interviewed bob old and i remember just sitting there just being like um i don't he doesn't know i wonder have if he a realizes lot. i don't think he realizes how cool he is you know oh, did you read his book yeah so good he's like in my blood 
Yeah. <laughs> I think he, I don't I don't think he didn't realize it. He, like he's in my body. Like who's good do? Mm-hmm. How I I listened to them too much. Like I listened to them <laughs> so much that I will say it was too. I like nonstop, nonstop. Did you wear out a record or a cassette? Oh, to be honest, a cassette yeah. or a land speed record. Wow, <laughs> that took how long for this to happen? Yeah, yeah. you've like With really no been, bad puns. You've been slow until today. Now. What's up? That was rough. I'm a little self. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good at that. I'm not sure how to react. Or take it in. No, I'm good with it. <laughs> um, also, Stephen is a person who's got me into comic books and sci-fi and that kind of stuff, uh-huh. especially Battlestar Galactica. Oh boy, that uh-huh. was great. And that episode was so cool to see, especially as a fan of the sh- of both shows. But to see those guys in the same room together playing that was. So incredible. Yeah, it was for, for us too. That was all luck. And they didn't know what the show was, you know, they were, but they just all lucked out. That was like, who can we get? We put feelers out, you know, and, and then there's just one day I was like, ah, they can all show up. <sighs> and yeah, we got, we got very lucky. Did you shoot that in LA or that was in Portland? Portland. They all really? came to Portland. Wow, that is crazy. And you know, we don't pay very much and. It just somehow all worked out. I was I was I was a little starstruck for real. To see them together, I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, is it hard to get your the guests to come up to Portland at all?" Sometimes, you know, it's not easy to get there, but um, sometimes you just make it work. Right. Sometimes there's just that one window, and it's hard on our crew because we just have to reschedule so much stuff. Right. Know? Like. You know, so-and-so can only come this one day, so we got to do this sketch this one day. I mean, did you ever think you're going to have a show where you could say, a recurring uh, actor, Jeff Goldblum? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Kyle McLaughlin. Oh, God. Oh, I mean, he's... Yeah. I regret so to good. this day doing an event. I used to work at VH1, and I got to spend some time with Kyle McLaughlin, and it was at a golf tournament. And I kept trying to get up the guts to be, can you just hold up the club and yell... Long live the fighters just once. just to, And I couldn't. He would have like, done it. I bet he would have. Oh, man. He's like friendly, normal, nice, yeah. good dude. So great. Yeah. That show just seems, one, one, it just seems fun to do, which is nice that that radiates from what you're doing. Yeah. But I've never been so conscious of how important editing was to comedy than Portlandia. Yeah. You know, and you you, you mm. know it obviously, but the way you guys put stuff together, it just, it's, it's just like payoff after payoff in some of those sketches, and it's great. And there's it's like too many in a good way. Like I was just watching um, the Martina Navratilova one yesterday, uh-huh. and I, I'm just in my. Sometimes I think, and when I'm watching something, I'm like, wow, what didn't they put in? I bet there's a lot of really hilarious yeah, there's a lot of stuff. stuff that doesn't make it in that that we love and yeah. we're attached to and then it's just no time, you know? Wow. There's no time. But those editors are, they really make jokes out of things. They really create jokes. There's some stuff that we, there's sketches we've shot that we're like, this is unusable. This is not <laughs> a sketch. We messed up. It was a kind of a good idea, but this is not a sketch. So let's shoot it out. Let's just, you know, maybe it'll be part of something, maybe on a, a, a DVD later on. And these guys find jokes. They find jokes and then I see it and I go, I had no idea. There's sketches that we fully thought were in the garbage can. There's one from season two where we go to a dog park and it's me and or it's Carrie and I as like these two dog owners 
and Kath and Dave. And we're just sort of telling all the dogs to kind of shut up and like, and then we really went home thinking like that was a, a wash and those editors turned it into a real sketch. So where does the idea come from before you go out and shoot it? Is it just... We write stuff out and we have a very traditional mm-hmm. writer's room and we think, what can we do with this character? What if they went to a dog park? That sounds good. You know, what if they lose their dog? What if they sort of boss the other dogs around? Great. And then we just sort of start coming up with some ideas for it. Then, yeah, then we find a location, actors and wranglers, the whole thing. Wow. I, I, that's one of those cool things about the show where, where you're like, if you, if you think that looks, you know, easy and they just kind of did this so naturally then you guys are doing the job correctly. You don't see how much of a plan and yeah, forethought go goes good, into okay. it, you know? Right. It comes off as totally casual. Toes all, yeah. yeah, I know. No, there's a lot of early brilliant. mornings. There's a lot of, you know, we have writers. We have, it's, it's, it's strange. It's like, I love it, but it is not easy. Oh, but it pays off so well. They just find, those editors just find stuff. That's my whole day of shooting, you know? Hmm. But I, obviously SNL, the hours are crazy. And then Portlandia, I'm sure it's very condensed. I mean, do you, you seem so driven. I mean, do you ever want to just like watch TV for a week and sit in no, your pajamas? No. no, I want, I want to keep working until it's just blinding. Like if I have a day off, I will make work for myself. Like I even have a mantra that's like every day is a work day. Even if it's an hour, even if it's writing a little something, just that I, I make sure that every day has some kind of work that gets done it like that that's you know that that's the way i wanted to keep going somehow you know but yeah i go as soon as i'm done with snl we go right to portlandia and the, the other way around it they overlapped a little bit in the beginning of this year oh really yeah i was flying in on wednesday mornings did the show on saturday and fly back on sunday Good and Lord. and it was really hard you know i was very complaining like i can't believe i gotta get on this plane and like i haven't slept but there's also something really romantic about it like you feel a bit like you're like being a martyr for you know what you do you know what i mean so it was like this combination of like oh this is hell and like but i still loved it well, it's like touring right I mean, it's like touring it's touring is like that's it's thing. romantic it's so hard but it's so cool yeah no, it's physically it's I hated it. That's why I, oh. <laughs> I, I loved. I, I love touring. It. it has its challenges. Yeah, like the lifting of equipment is hard. Being with the same people that long, you yeah. start getting real Stuff. nitpicky. <laughs> yeah, and then and then finding the for me the most challenging thing was bathroom stuff. Right, women's room, dude. Always. Oh yeah, there's a whole thing, but like <laughs> even then, always. <laughs> But it's still tricky. It's still tricky. Still tricky. Night, some nightclubs, you're like, I'm not going to go in that bathroom. Right. <laughs> but I only have an hour. I don't care. I'm not going in that bathroom <laughs> with the stickers. <laughs> not going there. <laughs> but, you, but it's a real, it's a real art form. It's... And killing time too. That's like always my thing. Like I'm playing four shows next week, and it's like I brought a bunch of books, but I feel like I never read them. No, that it's doesn't like, happen. Yeah. That you're doing all. See, that's ah, we're playing House of Blues in Atlantic City. Next, really? Next Saturday. Oh, that's good. Circus Survive. Yeah. Oh, oh awesome. Yeah, that's gonna be so, a great show. Yes. Try and drive out there. That'll be really good. Yeah, it should be good. Have you heard? Have you heard? United Nations heard his band. I've sort of. Yeah. I'll I'll get you Jonah some stuff. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what's what's Vanessa like? Real? What's Vanessa really like? 
Vanessa, what an angel. What a sweet. I really, I got to say, I really love Vanessa. She's one of my favorite people. She's just like, also comedy-wise, she's just so good and so, I, I guess the only word I can think of is open, but I don't mean like open and honest. I mean, just like, she just wants to have fun and she always seems happy and she appreciates things. She's very appreciative. And I feel like she's always in that state. You know, there's know-it-alls. She's the opposite. She's like, she just wants to know things and uh, she's great company. She's just like so patient. And so and she wants to do things and working with her, writing with her. We laugh so hard. She is, she's the best. The best is a f- funny term to use, but you know what I mean. Like totally, I I just really love Vanessa. She's great. I feel like she really appreciates life. Yeah, I agree. She's great. Really, you sure? <laughs> I like her. You positive? <laughs> <laughs> so, is Portlandia finished this season, or? Oh, like we shot it all. Yeah, all we finished. Okay. And they're still editing. I think one Edit. more episode right now. Right but, on. Yeah, and then um, SNL. They've been releasing names of. Hosts and things coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's that. That's just a matter of like that's when they book them when they like sort of confirm them. Yeah, I was wondering when Adam Levine was going to do it. I think that's going to be great. Yeah, this always, whatever host there is, it's something always good happens. You know, right on. Yeah, it's the it's the best. I love it there. It shows. I love it. <laughs> it's, a, it's awesome. And you do like your name being the first name, right? Got to go. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's like. I got lucky with that. <laughs> in school, I got lucky with that too. Like I would sit at the front of the classroom Aww. so I could get all, you know, I could get attention. I really wanted attention so bad. Me and Vanessa got pretty lucky, but not quite as lucky. No, but BA is, is that's up there though. Pretty up there, but A, I mean, <clears throat> that's like A. I'm B- sitting in the line. Although sometimes that you feel like they would go oh, backwards. Like they'd be like, today we're going to go backwards. And I'd be like, oh, now I'm last. No, I didn't. I <laughs> that didn't, would happen to me. And it was, that didn't it, hit me. you get really entitled. Yeah. Yeah. BA is good though. I like that. Yeah, you're up there. I'm up there. There but were you're times not point man. It's probably good because you're not point man. That's right. True. But you're at the top. Yeah. <laughs> She's storming the beaches of Normandy. It's kind of rough, but otherwise. Yeah. Right. That's how I like to end things. <laughs> the Normandy joke. <laughs> yep. D Day. D Day. November first, nineteen fifty one. D Day. So I think we covered, I believe, everything we wanted to cover without knowing we wanted to cover it. Yeah, that was, yeah. Talk about a dude that's had an interesting career trajectory that just is, he's so talented in so many ways. I love that I'm going to be in a band, we're going to tour, we're going to make it big. No, I think I'll make a funny comedy video. Oh, I'm on SNL now? <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's got to piss off a lot of people. <laughs> Yeah, that it, that was inspiring and also made me feel so lazy because that <laughs> yeah. dude's work ethic is so incredible. Every day is a work day. That's what I'm missing. Yeah. Because right? yeah. for me, every day is a nap day. Yeah. Exactly. I've been trying to figure out how to make every day a play day, but for my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh, if you like us, please go onto our Facebook page. Uh, we got a, a wonderful email from a gentleman in the Netherlands, which is very wow. cool. Enjoyed that immensely. So thank you so much. Um, I believe his name was Vim, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we actually got a, a, some people have been clicking that donate button. Super cool. Really? Thank you very much Thanks. for donating and going off track. We appreciate it. <laughs> we, we dig that you dig us. 
And uh, next week, more awesomeness. Although, man, Fred Armisen. It's going to be tough to top, but I think we'll try. 2013. Kicking ass. Right? <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.